This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I squinted against the harsh summer sun as the rusty doors of the old school bus creaked open. The sight before me made my heart sink. A large wooden sign that read, Camp Pinefall. Around me, a symphony of excited chatter, laughter, and the rustling of bags filled the air. Everyone seemed ready to dive headfirst into the world of adventure that lay beyond the sign. Everyone except me, Liam. My parents thought that summer camp would be good for me, that it would bring me out of my shell. I'd have preferred staying home, immersed in the new series of fantasy novels I'd just started. But my preference hadn't factored into their decision. So there I was, standing in the sun-kissed dust, surrounded by energetic teenagers whose enthusiasm felt as foreign to me as the expansive woods encircling the camp. Welcome to Camp Pinefall, an overly energetic counselor bounded towards us. I think his name was Jake. His grin was infectious, but it didn't lessen my dread. I picked up my bag and followed the other campers. Our cabins were nestled at the edge of the woods, tiny log constructions that looked like they had been built decades ago. My cabin was at the farthest end, the woods encroaching a little too close for comfort. Inside, the air smelled of pine and old wood. My bunkmate was already there, a lanky kid with wild, curly hair and a grin that matched Jake's. He jumped down from his bunk and extended a hand. Noah, he introduced himself, his eyes bright with a spark I immediately envied. I shook his hand, introducing myself in return. Noah seemed to fill the room with his vibrant energy, a stark contrast to my reserved persona. I wondered how we'd get along. The rest of the day was a blur of activities, swimming, canoeing, a never-ending series of team-building exercises, each more draining than the last. My muscles ached in protest, but there was something oddly satisfying about the physical exertion. As the sun began to set, painting the sky with hues of red and orange, we sat around a crackling bonfire. The warmth of the fire seeped into me, the flickering light reflecting in Noah's animated expressions as he shared stories about his life. Listening to him, I felt my defenses ebb away. Maybe, I thought, this wouldn't be as bad as I had imagined. That night, as I lay in the narrow bunk, staring at the rustic wood ceiling, the chorus of the nocturnal creatures felt almost soothing. I could hear Noah's steady breathing from the bunk below. Despite my earlier apprehension, a strange sense of contentment washed over me. But as sleep began to claim me, a faint whispering wind swept through the nearby trees, sending an involuntary shiver down my spine. In the eerie silence of the night, the woods seemed too close, the darkness too deep. Little did I know this was just the beginning of the story, the calm before the storm. Looking back, that first day was a paradox. It marked the beginning of my adventure and the end of my peace. It was my entry into a summer of friendship, fear, and the inexplicable. It was my arrival at Camp Pinefall. The days began to blend into each other, each morning marked by a cool breeze and the sweet song of birds. I slowly fell into a routine, hiking in the morning, swimming in the cool lake in the afternoon, and evenings around the bonfire, a group of teenagers sharing ghost stories as the embers glowed against the night sky. 
Noah was a constant in all this. His endless energy, curiosity, and innate charm made him popular at camp. His laughter was contagious, his ideas crazy and entertaining. But amidst all the fun, he had a maturity that belied his age. He listened when I spoke about my love for books, even when I knew it bored him. He stood up for a camper who was bullied, and when I slipped during a hike and hurt my ankle, he was the one to help me back, disregarding his own scraped knees. Despite our contrasting personalities, Noah and I grew close. We found ourselves paired for most activities, and our conversation stretched into the night, long after the other campers were asleep. In him, I found a friend, and through him, I found myself actually enjoying the camp. One afternoon, we sat on a high cliff overlooking the camp, the dense green forest stretching as far as the eye could see. The wind whispered through the trees, carrying the distant echo of our fellow campers. Noah was unusually quiet, his usually vibrant eyes pensive as they stared out into the wilderness. Do you ever wonder what secrets the woods might hold? He asked, his voice barely a whisper against the wind. I looked at him, startled by the sudden shift in his mood. Like what? I asked, not entirely sure where he was going. Legends, mysteries, creatures we don't know about, he replied, turning to look at me, a glimmer of the old Noah back in his eyes. In that moment, his question didn't scare me. Instead, it filled me with a thrill of excitement. I was still wary of the wilderness, but the fear was slowly giving way to a sense of adventure. The unknown wasn't as intimidating when I had a friend by my side. We spent the rest of the day exploring, delving into parts of the forest we hadn't seen before. The woods seemed almost welcoming in the daylight, the eerie whispers of the night forgotten. We returned to the camp as the sun set, both exhausted and exhilarated. That night, as the campfire cast dancing shadows around us, I realized that my initial dread had been replaced by a sense of belonging. The chirping crickets, the rustling leaves, and even the whispering woods had all become a part of my reality. This was my life now, filled with laughter, adventure, and the joy of the unknown. I watched Noah across the fire, his face illuminated by the flickering light, his laughter blending with the night's chorus. I felt a twinge of gratitude towards him. He was my beacon in this strange new world. As the fire died down and the campers retreated to their cabins, I had no idea how drastically our world was about to change. Our joy of the unknown was about to turn into a haunting echo of regret. The sun was sinking below the treetops as we began our evening hike. The warmth of the day gave way to a crisp coolness that seeped into the woods, the descending darkness painting the scenery with a different palette. Noah was at the front, leading the group with a confidence that was both reassuring and contagious. I trailed behind, entranced by the nocturnal symphony of rustling leaves and hooting owls. We ventured farther than we ever had, the path less defined and the trees growing denser. Our flashlights bobbed through the darkness, casting eerie shadows on the forest floor. Despite the foreboding environment, Noah's excitement was palpable. He reveled in the adventure, his spirit unbroken by the surrounding darkness. A sudden shout from the front of the group cut through the air, shattering the peaceful atmosphere. One of the campers had tripped over a root. Amidst the chaos and confusion, Noah went off the path to find a branch for support. Minutes turned into an eternity as we waited in the diminishing light. The whispers of the night seemed to grow louder, the forest more intimidating. Noah's absence loomed over us like a cloud, growing heavier with each passing moment. 
After what felt like hours, Jake decided to go look for Noah. He handed me his flashlight, his face a mask of concern. The light trembled in my hand, mirroring the unease spreading through the group. The woods around us came alive with unfamiliar sounds. The rustle of leaves, the snap of a twig, the hoot of an owl. Each sound seemed to mimic the rapid beating of my heart, escalating the fear coursing through my veins. When Jake returned, alone and breathless, a veil of silence descended on the group. The news hit us like a punch to the gut. Noah was missing. Panic swept through us, the word missing echoing ominously in the dense forest. We stumbled back to the camp, the path seeming longer and more treacherous than before. Noah's absence was a tangible entity amongst us, choking and oppressive. The camp, usually filled with laughter and chatter, was eerily silent. All activities were halted. A search party was quickly formed, flashlights cutting through the inky darkness, voices calling out for Noah. As the night wore on, hope waned. The search party returned, their faces etched with a hopeless despair. Noah was nowhere to be found. Retreating to our cabin, his empty bunk seemed to mock me, a harsh reminder of the friend who had been there just the day before. As I sat there, enveloped in darkness, I could hear the forest whispering, the wind carrying an invisible shroud of dread. I thought about Noah's question from a few days before, about the secrets the woods might hold. It seemed now that the forest had given us a taste of its mystery, a haunting enigma we weren't prepared for. The joy of the unknown had morphed into a nightmare. That night as the camp fell into a restless sleep, I lay wide awake. The chirping crickets and rustling leaves, once a comforting lullaby, now seemed sinister. A sense of dread settled deep within me, a dark premonition of the terror that was yet to come. We were lost, just like Noah, lost in the face of the unknown terror the woods held. Days turned into a week. The search for Noah continued, the surrounding woods combed through by professionals and volunteers alike. But all their efforts returned empty, Noah's presence erased as if he had never been part of Camp Pinefall. His absence hung heavily over us. The once lively camp was shrouded in gloom, laughter replaced by whispered conversations, excitement by anxious anticipation. Noah's empty bunk served as a constant reminder of our loss, of the friend who had mysteriously vanished into the woods. And then, something strange started happening. It began one night as I lay on my bunk, the cabin filled with a suffocating silence. The nocturnal symphony of the forest was in full swing, each note playing on my heightened senses. A soft whisper cut through the night, my name carried on the wind. It was so faint that I thought I was imagining it. The next night, it happened again. My name whispered through the rustling leaves, unmistakably Noah's voice. I sat up in bed, my heart pounding against my chest. I knew Noah's voice, its warmth, its cadence, its familiarity. And even in the whisper that floated through the night, I recognized it. Terrified and confused, I confided in Jake. He listened, his face an unreadable mask, but I could see the doubt in his eyes. Was it the wind? My mind playing tricks on me? But I was certain of what I heard. I knew Noah's voice, just as I knew the deep, gnawing fear growing within me. And then, other campers started reporting the same. The voice in the woods, a mother's soothing tones, a brother's laughter, a best friend's secret code, each one personal, each one familiar. Panic spread through the camp, the whispers of the night now a source of fear and terror. Every night we would huddle in our cabins, flashlights at our sides, 
hearts pounding as the sun set. The woods were no longer a source of adventure or mystery, but of a chilling dread. The whispers grew louder, more insistent, playing on our fears and heightening our paranoia. One night, I heard Noah's voice again, louder this time, a frantic plea for help that sent a jolt of fear through me. I rushed out, a foolish hope propelling me towards the voice. But all I found was the dark, silent woods, the trees standing like silent sentinels. Every echo, every whisper seemed to hold a promise, a hint of Noah's presence. And each time, it led to nothing. The forest seemed to mock us, its secrets held close, impenetrable. The woods had turned into a living nightmare, its whispers an echo of the fear that had gripped us all. As the echoes in the dark grew, so did our desperation. Each whisper was a chilling reminder of our loss, a haunting memory of Noah. The once joyous camp was now a place of fear, the unknown not an adventure but a threat. And as each day passed, the reality of the situation weighed heavily on us. We were at the mercy of the woods, its secrets beyond our understanding. Lost and fearful, we could only listen to the echoes in the dark, a cruel mimicry of the past we yearned for and a future we feared. The days turned into a never-ending cycle of dread. The whispers continued, echoing through the dark woods and haunting our dreams. Each voice, mimicking someone we loved, added a layer of fear to the oppressive atmosphere of Camp Pinefall. And yet, there was no sign of Noah. One morning, I decided to venture into the forest. The voice had driven me to the brink of madness, the tantalizing hint of Noah's presence pulling me towards the wilderness. With each step, I could feel the fear hanging in the air, the forest a silent testament to the terror it held. I walked aimlessly, my eyes scanning the undergrowth, my ears straining for any sound out of the ordinary. Every crackle of leaves, every rustle in the bushes, sent a jolt of adrenaline through me. My heart pounded against my chest, the silence of the forest interrupted only by my ragged breathing. That's when I saw it. Nestled between two roots of a massive pine tree, almost hidden under a layer of fallen leaves, was Noah's hat. It was unmistakable, the faded red color, the frayed edges, the camp logo slightly smudged from use. It was a token of a life that now felt like a distant memory. I picked it up, the fabric feeling oddly cold against my skin. An image flashed through my mind. Noah, his face lit up by the bonfire, the hat perched atop his curls. A sharp pang of loss hit me, tears welling up in my eyes. I clung to the hat, my mind racing. This was a clue, a sign of Noah's presence, but it also raised a myriad of questions. How did it end up here? Why hadn't the search parties found it? Was Noah nearby, watching me? The silence of the forest seemed to press on me, every shadow a potential danger. I rushed back to the camp, the hat clutched in my trembling hands. As I showed it to Jake and the others, I saw a flicker of hope in their eyes. The hat represented Noah, our missing friend, a tangible proof that he had been real, that he was still out there, somewhere. But the hat was all we had. There were no footprints, no signs of struggle, no indications of where Noah might have gone. It was as if the forest had swallowed him whole, leaving behind only a haunting echo of his voice and a forgotten hat. The discovery of the hat sent a wave of despair through the camp. We clung to each other, sharing our fears and hopes, our stories of Noah. The hat became a symbol of our loss, a haunting reminder of our friend who had vanished without a trace. As I lay on my bunk that night, Noah's hat by my side, the whispers began again. 
but this time they sounded different. They were softer, sadder, almost as if the forest was mourning with us. I clutched the hat tighter, my mind filled with images of Noah, his laughter, his spirit, his voice. The hat was all I had left of my friend, a haunting memento of a joyous past and a terrifying present. As the night deepened, so did the mystery of the woods, its whispers a chilling serenade to the friend we had lost. The discovery of Noah's hat did little to ease our fears. Instead, it only served to deepen the mystery. The nights were long and filled with terror as the phantom voices continued to call out to us. Days turned into a haze of worry and trepidation, each sunrise a cruel reminder of Noah's absence. I found myself drawn to the woods, the place that had stolen Noah from us. I wandered through the trees, Noah's hat clutched tightly in my hands. Each whisper of the wind, each rustle of the leaves felt like a mockery. One day I ventured deeper into the woods than I ever had before. The trees stood tall around me, their canopies a jigsaw puzzle against the sky. The shadows lengthened, the light playing tricks on my senses. The forest seemed to close in around me, its silence deafening. And then, I heard it. Noah's voice, clear, urgent. It echoed around me, bouncing off the trees. Help! It sent shivers down my spine. My heart pounded in my chest, the plea resonating in my ears. I spun around, trying to locate the source, but the voice seemed to come from all directions, disorienting me. Frantic, I started to run, following the echoes of Noah's voice. The ground was uneven, littered with fallen leaves and branches. My breaths came out ragged, my pulse hammering in my ears. Suddenly, the ground beneath me gave way. I tumbled down, a scream ripping from my throat. I crashed onto a hard surface, pain radiating through my body. As I lay there, gasping for breath, I realized I had fallen into a concealed pit, the walls steep and impossible to climb. I was trapped. Fear gripped me, curling around my heart like a cold, relentless vice. I shouted for help, my voice bouncing off the pit's walls, disappearing into the empty forest above. My calls echoed unanswered, the forest indifferent to my plight. I felt a despair I had never known, a helplessness that chilled me to the bone. The day slowly faded into night, the pit turning into an abyss of darkness. Every sound was amplified, the scurrying of unseen creatures, the soft thud of falling leaves, the ghostly whispers of the wind. I was alone, trapped in the heart of the forest, my only companion the echoes of Noah's voice. In the stifling darkness, I clung to Noah's hat, my mind oscillating between panic and a grim determination. If Noah was out there, I had to survive. I had to find him. I promised myself that I wouldn't let the forest win. I wouldn't let it steal another friend. As I stared up at the sliver of night sky visible from the pit, my mind wandered back to the carefree days at camp, to the laughter and adventures, to the friend who was now a haunting echo in the woods. I missed Noah. I missed the life we had before this nightmare began. That night, the forest felt more alive than ever, its whispers a chilling lullaby as I slipped into an uneasy sleep. The pit was a prison, the woods my jailer. I was trapped in the belly of the beast, thrown into the abyss that had swallowed Noah. And as the reality of my situation sunk in, the whispers of the forest morphed into a terrifying symphony of our shared fate. I awoke to the cold dawn, my body stiff and sore. The pit seemed even more ominous in the gray light, a stark reminder of my predicament. The hours stretched on, each passing moment feeding my desperation. 
My throat was parched, my stomach grumbled, and my mind was plagued by fear. Despite it all, I couldn't let myself give in to despair. I needed to survive. I needed to find Noah. As I sat there, trapped in the pit, my mind wandered back to the stories Noah used to share. Of the Native American tribes who had once called these woods home. Of the spirits they believed inhabited the land. Noah had always been fascinated by the history and myths of the area. I wished now that I had paid more attention. Noah's voice echoed again, piercing the silence of the pit. Help! It was as desperate as before, but this time I noticed a strange echo to it, a slight distortion. It dawned on me then. The voice wasn't coming from Noah. It was a mimic, a chilling imitation of my missing friend. Just as I was losing hope, a familiar face appeared at the top of the pit. Jake. Relief washed over me. He looked terrified, but relief replaced the fear when he saw me. He had found me, just as we had to find Noah. With the help of other campers, they managed to pull me out of the pit. I was finally free from the confines of the pit, but I knew then that none of us were truly free. We were all prisoners of the forest, entrapped in a nightmare we didn't understand. Back at camp, the discovery of the pit, my rescue, and the chilling mimicry of Noah's voice sent a fresh wave of fear through the group. The forest had shown us its teeth, and we were all terrified. The camp counselors decided to end the camp early. Parents were informed, police were called in, but none of that mattered to me. I couldn't leave, not without Noah. Under the guise of the night, I slipped away from the main camp. I ventured back into the heart of the forest drawn towards the pit that had been my prison. I wasn't sure what I was looking for. Perhaps I hoped that by understanding the forest, I could understand what had happened to Noah. As I stood at the edge of the pit, Noah's hat in my hands, I couldn't help but feel a chill run down my spine. The pit wasn't just a physical trap. It was a metaphor for our situation. We were all in the dark, all clueless about the true nature of our circumstances. As the moon bathed the forest in an eerie light, I thought of the ancient tribes who had once revered these woods. Had they known of the voice mimic? Had they understood it? I didn't have any answers, just a growing sense of dread and a haunting echo of Noah's voice, a constant reminder of our shared fate in these treacherous woods. Under the cold moonlight, the pit seemed like a gateway to another world, a world where voices echoed from the unseen depths and friends vanished without a trace. As I gazed into its dark, gaping maw, I felt an inexplicable pull. The pit, I realized, held more secrets than I had initially thought. Driven by a desperate need to understand, I ventured once again into the forest. I needed to find the root of these eerie phenomena. The echoing voices, Noah's disappearance, the hidden pit. Every crackle underfoot, every rustle in the undergrowth echoed Noah's absence and my fear. One day, while scouring the woods, I stumbled upon a secluded glade. In its midst stood a solitary stone covered with strange markings, etchings of animals, trees, and what appeared to be figures of men. I realized with a jolt that they were petroglyphs, ancient symbols left by the native tribes. As I traced the symbols, I remembered Noah's fascination with the local tribes. His stories of their reverence for the land and their belief in the spirits of nature echoed in my mind. Could the legends be true? Could the forest be haunted by a mimic spirit, as the stories suggested? Was this the explanation for the voice we heard, for Noah's disappearance? 
I spent days studying the petroglyphs, the whispers of the forest serving as a haunting backdrop. The forest seemed to watch me, its silence heavy with unspoken secrets. The echoes of the past lay etched on the stone, silently testifying to the age-old mysteries of these woods. One night, as I lay awake in my cabin, Noah's hat beside me, the whispers returned. But this time they were not pleas for help. They were stories, echoes of the past recounted in familiar voices. I heard the laughter of my mother, the lullabies of my grandmother, and most chillingly, the tales of the tribes in Noah's voice. The forest was not just mimicking our voices, it was mimicking our memories, our stories. The realization sent a shiver down my spine. The forest was alive, in a way we didn't understand, in a way that was beyond our comprehension. As the voices faded into the night, I felt a renewed sense of determination. I had to solve this mystery, not just for Noah, but for all of us. The forest held our friend, it held our fears, and it held the answers and I was determined to unearth them. As the dawn broke, casting long shadows across the camp, I found myself looking at the forest with new eyes. It was not just a collection of trees and wildlife, but a sentient entity, a living, breathing mystery. And as the whispers resumed, echoing our past and mimicking our present, I realized the scale of the challenge before us. We were not just fighting against the unknown. We were up against the echoes of time, the echoes of the past, the echoes of the forest. I spent my days at the stone in the secluded glade, absorbed in the cryptic petroglyphs. I began to sketch them, hoping that decoding their meaning would bring me closer to understanding the entity that inhabited the forest. I felt a kinship with the ancient people who had crafted these symbols, their knowledge and beliefs etched onto the unyielding stone, speaking across the centuries. As I immersed myself in this pursuit, I felt the forest watching me. The voices became more frequent, the whispers more distinct. I realized that the entity was not malicious, but curious. It echoed our voices, our memories, as a means to understand us. It was a sentient presence, woven into the fabric of the forest, seeking connection. The realization brought a strange sense of calm. I was not alone in my search for answers. The forest, in its own alien way, was trying to communicate, to bridge the chasm between our worlds. One evening, as I traced the final symbol on the stone, I heard Noah's voice again, but instead of a desperate plea for help, it was calm, reciting a story we had loved as kids. I closed my eyes, Noah's voice washing over me, carrying me back to simpler times. The entity was speaking through Noah, sharing our past, our stories, our bond. Overwhelmed, I found myself speaking to the entity, sharing my fears, my guilt over Noah's disappearance, my longing for my lost friend. The forest listened, its silence a soothing balm. The whispers echoed my words, my feelings, giving voice to my inner turmoil. It was then I realized that Noah was not lost. He was a part of the forest now, a part of the entity. He had not left us. He had simply changed, transformed into something beyond our comprehension. The thought was comforting and terrifying in equal measure. The nights at camp were no longer oppressive with dread, but filled with anticipation. I listened to the whispers, to the stories, to the echoes of our shared past. Each voice, each memory, was a thread connecting me to Noah, to the entity, to the forest. The entity spoke to us in the language it knew, echoes and memories. It did not understand our grief, our fear, 
our concept of loss, but it understood connection, stories, emotions, and it shared them with us, painting a picture of a world far removed from our own. As I listened to the whispers from the shadows, I began to understand the true nature of our predicament. We were not victims of a sinister force. We were witnesses to a phenomenon beyond our understanding. We were participants in a cosmic dialogue, an exchange of stories and memories between the human and the non-human. The entity was not a foe to be feared, but a mystery to be understood. And as I delved deeper into the petroglyphs, into the whispers from the shadows, I was no longer alone. I had the forest, the entity, and the echo of my friend to keep me company. The darkness was no longer an enemy, but a canvas on which our shared stories came to life. Days melted into weeks, the whispers of the forest becoming my constant companion. The voices echoed tales of the past, painted pictures of the present, and stirred emotions deep within me. I felt myself changing, evolving, as the understanding of the entity and its nature deepened. The camp was now a ghost town. The laughter and camaraderie were replaced with an eerie silence, the empty cabins a stark reminder of the friends who had once lived there. But I wasn't alone. I had the forest, the entity, the echo of Noah. I missed Noah. I missed his laughter, his infectious enthusiasm, his insatiable curiosity. But every time I heard his voice echoing through the forest, I felt a strange comfort. He was here, with me, in the rustle of the leaves, in the whispers of the forest. With every passing day, I found myself less afraid, less anxious. I no longer saw the forest as a malevolent force, but an entity beyond our understanding, beyond our narrow definitions of life and consciousness. It was an entity that sought to communicate, to connect, to understand. I felt a sense of peace I hadn't experienced since Noah's disappearance. The guilt that had once consumed me now faded, replaced with acceptance. Noah wasn't lost. He had found a new existence, one that we couldn't understand, one that transcended our mortal comprehension. The petroglyphs on the stone were no longer a mystery but a bridge, a link between us and the entity. The symbols etched onto the stone held a wisdom, a knowledge that spanned centuries. The entity had been here long before us, witnessing the rise and fall of civilizations, the ebb and flow of life. As I spent my days deciphering the symbols, listening to the whispers, I realized that I was part of something much larger, much grander than my own existence. We were all part of this cosmic dialogue, part of a story that the forest was telling, a story that Noah was now a part of. The acceptance came with a newfound courage. I knew I had to share this with others, with the world. We had to understand, to listen, to learn. The entity was not a monster lurking in the shadows. It was a mirror reflecting our fears, our stories, our voices. As the days turned into nights, I penned down my experiences, my understanding, my journey. I wrote about Noah, about the whispers, about the entity. I wrote about the fear, the dread, and the eventual acceptance. It was not a story of a summer camp gone wrong. It was a story of understanding, of acceptance, of connection. It was a story that needed to be told, that deserved to be heard. As I penned down the last words, I felt a sense of accomplishment, a sense of closure. I was ready to leave the camp, to return to the world I had left behind. But I wasn't the same person anymore. I had changed, grown, evolved. I carried with me the echoes of the forest, the echo of Noah. And as I prepared to leave, 
The whispers of the forest bid me farewell, a gentle breeze rustling the leaves, a soft echo resonating in the air, a goodbye from Noah, from the forest, from the entity. My journey back to the town was filled with mixed emotions. I was leaving behind the forest that had been my home, my sanctuary, my prison, and my teacher. I carried with me the stories, the whispers, the echo of my friend, and the wisdom of the ancient tribes. When I reached the town, I was met with a mixture of relief and disbelief. The news of my survival spread quickly, bringing a wave of shock and joy to the townsfolk. But when I shared my experiences, my understanding of the forest and the entity, I was met with skepticism and fear. The police, the townsfolk, my family, they all wanted answers, a rational explanation, a villain to blame. But how could I explain something so alien, so outside our realm of understanding? How could I convince them that the forest wasn't haunted but inhabited by an entity beyond our comprehension? Every attempt to explain was met with resistance, every mention of the entity dismissed as hallucinations or trauma-induced delusions. But I stood my ground. I knew what I had experienced, what I had understood. The night after my return, I found myself standing on the edge of the forest, looking at the familiar landscape under the moonlight. It was then that I heard it. The echo of the forest, the whisper in the wind, the voice of my friend. It filled me with a profound sense of calm, of connection. I knew then that Noah was still with us, in the rustle of the leaves, in the whispers of the forest, in the echoes of our shared past. And with that understanding came a newfound resolve. I spent the following days in the town, tirelessly advocating for the forest, sharing my experiences, fighting against the fear and skepticism. I faced opposition, ridicule, even threats, but I remained undeterred. This was bigger than me, bigger than all of us. This was about understanding, about coexisting, about listening to the echoes of the forest. But the more I pushed, the more resistance I faced. I was labeled an outcast, a madman, a traitor. I was ostracized, alienated, shunned. But I wasn't alone. I had the forest. I had the entity. I had the echo of Noah. As the days passed, I found solace in the whispers of the forest. Every visit to the edge of the woods brought me closer to the entity, closer to Noah. It was a bond that transcended our mortal understanding, a connection that was born in the heart of the forest and echoed in the winds of time. I realized then that my fight wasn't against the townsfolk or the police. My fight was against fear, against ignorance, against the unwillingness to understand. And I knew I had to keep fighting, for Noah, for the forest, for the entity. As I walked away from the edge of the forest that night, the echo of Noah's voice lingered in the air, a gentle whisper carried on the winds of time. I carried that echo with me, a reminder of our bond, our shared stories, our shared journey. It was a constant companion, a source of strength, a beacon of hope in the face of adversity. Months turned into years, and the echoes of the forest became a part of my existence, my identity. I had become the voice of the entity, the voice of the forest. I stood alone against the tide of fear and ignorance, armed with the echoes of Noah, the wisdom of the ancient tribes, and the memories of a summer camp that had changed my life. My relentless advocacy for understanding and coexisting with the entity earned me many names, the Echo Man, the Forest Whisperer, the Madman of Utah. But it didn't deter me. If anything, it fueled my determination. 
Every whisper from the forest, every echo of Noah, every memory of our shared past was a reminder of my purpose, my journey. I wrote about my experiences, about the entity, about the forest, about Noah. I documented everything, the petroglyphs, the voices, the mimicry, the disappearance. I put my experiences, my understanding, my journey into words, into stories, into echoes of time. But the world wasn't ready for my story, for our story. It was dismissed as a figment of my imagination, a byproduct of trauma and isolation. My manuscript was rejected, ridiculed, forgotten. But I didn't lose hope. I continued to write, to document, to understand. Years later, on a quiet evening, as I sat on the edge of the forest, I heard it again. The echo of Noah, the whisper of the forest. It was as clear, as familiar, as haunting as the first time. It filled me with a sense of peace, of connection, of acceptance. In the echo I heard our shared past, our shared stories. I heard the wisdom of the ancient tribes, the curiosity of my friend, the stories of the forest. I heard the voice of the entity, the voice of understanding, of coexisting, of accepting. I realized then that the success of my journey, my advocacy, didn't lie in the acceptance of the world, but in the echoes of the forest, in the whispers of the entity, in the voice of my friend. I had understood, accepted, and coexisted with a consciousness beyond our mortal comprehension, and that was a victory, a triumph, an accomplishment. I spent the rest of my days living on the edge of the forest, listening to the whispers, understanding the echoes, writing about the entity. The world moved on, forgetting about the summer camp, about the disappearance, about me. But I wasn't forgotten. I was remembered in the heart of the forest, in the echoes of time. As I write these last words, I can hear it, the echo of the forest, the whisper of the wind, the voice of my friend. I am an echo, an echo of the past, an echo of the future, an echo of time. I am a part of the forest, a part of the entity, a part of Noah. My story doesn't have a happy ending, but it doesn't have a sad ending either. It's a story of understanding, of acceptance, of coexistence. It's a story of echoes and whispers, of voices and memories, of time and consciousness. And as I close this chapter, I know that the echoes will continue, the whispers will persist, the forest will speak. Because we are all echoes, echoes in the heart of the forest, echoes in the winds of time. From the moment our old bus trundled down the dusty road leading to Camp Echo, my heart was alight with anticipation. Alex, Mindy, Noah, and I exchanged excited glances. Summer stretched before us, a seemingly endless expanse of fun, freedom, and friendship. Little did we know how drastically it would change. The camp was nestled amidst sprawling woods, a charming patchwork of cabins and clearings. Our home for the summer was Cabin 4. Simple and rustic, it had a welcoming warmth about it. We threw our bags into a corner and claimed our bunks. Alex chose the one by the window, always wanting to be closer to the action. Mindy, Noah, and I took the others. Our first day was everything we'd hoped for. Activities filled the hours, canoeing on the lake, learning to tie knots, attempting to scale the climbing wall. Laughter echoed around the camp as we moved from one activity to another. We felt invincible, soaking up every bit of joy and thrill that the camp had to offer. 
As evening fell, we gathered around a large bonfire. Stories were shared, marshmallows were toasted, and campfire songs filled the air. The counselors told ghost stories that sent delicious shivers down our spines, but we dismissed them as nothing more than fun, campfire tales. Camp Echo was our haven, and nothing could rob us of our joy. Retiring to Cabin 4 later that night, our hearts were full of the day's adventures. We talked late into the night, recounting the day's highlights and making plans for the rest of the summer. However, as the night deepened, so did the silence outside. The happy chatter gradually wound down, replaced by the soft nocturnal chorus of the woods. It must have been around midnight when I first heard it, a sound that didn't belong to the woods. A soft whisper, like leaves rustling, and a faint scratch on the cabin door. It was distant, barely discernible over the night's natural symphony, but it was there. My heart skipped a beat, but I shook off the feeling, convincing myself it was just a critter. Alex was the first to notice my discomfort. You all right, Jamie? He asked, his voice a sleepy murmur from the top bunk. Yeah, I replied, forcing a laugh. Just a squirrel or something at the door. Alex chuckled and Mindy and Noah joined in. Their laughter was a comforting sound in the otherwise silent cabin. We all settled back into our beds, the rustling outside ignored for the moment. Our dreams that night were filled with the thrill of the day's fun, not yet shadowed by the unknown that awaited us. As I drifted off to sleep, the soft whispers of the night and the barely there scratches at our cabin door intermingled with my thoughts. I convinced myself it was nothing more than the harmless sounds of nature, but as the days would prove, it was the beginning of something far more disturbing, something that would transform our idyllic summer into an unforgettable nightmare. But that night, blissfully unaware, we slept on. After the initial thrill of arrival faded, the routines of camp life set in. Each day was a carousel of activity, archery lessons, orienteering, even building our own rafts. It was idyllic, the epitome of the perfect summer. But the nights, the nights began to shift in tone, their peace replaced with an undercurrent of unease. It was on the second night that I really began to notice it. That soft sound, the whisper in the wind, the faint scratching at the cabin door. It was louder this time, more pronounced. But again, we dismissed it as the wind playing tricks or nocturnal animals making their rounds. It was a comfortable lie, one we were all too willing to believe. We had returned from another night by the campfire, our bellies full of s'mores, our minds buzzing with the thrill of the day. Alex was animatedly recounting his near win at the canoe race, while Mindy laughed, teasing him about his competitive spirit. Noah was lost in thought, sketching away in his notebook by the dim light of the lantern. It was during one of Alex's exaggerated hand gestures that we all heard it the unmistakable sound of a soft scratch at the door. We froze, the laughter dying in our throats. The scratching continued, persistent but unhurried, a dreadful contrast to the racing beats of our hearts. Silently, we turned to look at the door. The dim light of the lantern threw grotesque shadows, making the ordinary cabin door seem ominous. The scratching stopped abruptly, replaced by a soft whisper that seemed to echo around the cabin. Alex, always the brave one, got up and moved towards the door. He took a deep breath, threw it open, and stepped outside. We held our breaths, waiting in a tense silence. After a few moments that felt like eternity, he came back in, shaking his head. 
Nothing. Not a squirrel or raccoon in sight, he reported. His words, meant to reassure, instead settled in the pit of my stomach like a stone. If it wasn't an animal, then what was it? I glanced at Mindy and Noah. Their faces mirrored my confusion and unease. To dispel the sudden chill, we all clambered back into our bunks, pulling the covers tightly around ourselves. We attempted to laugh it off, to lose ourselves in a new conversation, but the mood had shifted undeniably. One by one, we fell into an uneasy sleep, the sounds of the night a haunting lullaby. As I lay awake, staring at the wooden planks above me, I couldn't shake off the unease. The whispering seemed to fill the cabin, the words indiscernible, but their presence palpable. My thoughts raced, searching for logical explanations, but finding none. That was the night the summer lost its luster. The day's bright promise was tarnished by the night's mystery, casting a long shadow over the sunny camp days. We didn't know it yet, but the whispers were just the beginning. They were the first notes in a terrifying symphony that would keep us on edge, forever changing our memories of Camp Echo. The eerie happenings of the second night marked a turning point. What we initially brushed off as harmless woodland disturbances had taken on an unnerving edge. Yet, as the sun rose each morning, casting its golden glow over Camp Echo, the previous night's fear seemed silly, almost dreamlike. It was this relentless cycle of dread and daylight relief that began to fray our nerves. With each passing day, our apprehension grew. The whispering and scratching persisted, intensifying with each night. The sounds were no longer just background noise. They had become a haunting melody, dictating our moods, intruding our dreams, and testing our courage. I decided to document our experiences, hoping to find a pattern, a clue, anything that might shed light on these nocturnal disturbances. Each day, I scribbled in my journal, detailing our daily activities and the ever-louder whispers and scratches that terrorized our nights. On the fifth night, we gathered in our cabin, our earlier joviality replaced with a sober sense of anticipation. We listened as the night fell, the natural sounds of the woods slowly merging into the chilling whispers and scratches. The cabin, once a place of refuge, now felt like a cage, leaving us at the mercy of the invisible terror outside. We have to do something, Alex finally said, breaking the stifling silence. His face was taut, mirroring the tension that hung in the air. We can't just sit here listening to this, this thing, whatever it is. He was right. We couldn't let our summer be hijacked by fear. Gathering our flashlights and a bit of the bravado from our earlier days, we decided to investigate. We stepped outside, the cool night air brushing against our faces, carrying whispers of the ominous sounds. We searched around our cabin, probing the dark corners, expecting to find a reasonable explanation. But the woods remained cryptically silent, revealing nothing. We searched until the cold seeped through our clothes, until the flashlights flickered, and our hopes withered. We found no traces of any animals, no visible damage to the cabin door, nothing that could explain the sounds. As we trudged back to our cabin, the dread felt heavier, pressing down on us like a physical weight. The woods behind us seemed to hum with an uncanny energy, as if mocking our failed attempt to unveil its secret. The rest of the night passed in a blur of restless sleep and fearful wakefulness. The whispers and scratching continued unabated, our unsuccessful investigation adding to their haunting allure. What was happening to our idyllic summer at Camp Echo? 
The camp's daylight charm was losing its sheen, slowly overshadowed by the terror of our nights. As we lived our days in feigned normalcy and nights in creeping fear, the line between reality and nightmare blurred. We had started this journey as carefree teenagers, eager for a summer of adventure and camaraderie. But as the echoes of the night grew louder, we found ourselves thrust into a terrifying unknown, our laughter fading into the chilling symphony of whispers and scratches. In the harsh light of day, Camp Echo returned to its picturesque charm. The unsettling sounds that echoed through the night seemed like a distant memory, buried beneath the hum of daytime activities. We all clung to this illusion of safety, allowing the summer sun to wash away the fears of the previous night. Mindy, Alex, Noah, and I tried to throw ourselves into the camp activities. We learned to shoot arrows at the archery range, our faces grimly focused as if hitting the bullseye would somehow chase away the night's terrors. We swam in the lake, letting the cool water cleanse not just our skin, but also our anxiety-ridden minds. We climbed the towering trees, challenging ourselves to scale new heights. Yet, the thrill of the climb was marred by the unsettling knowledge that the same woods cloaked our nocturnal tormentor. I found my gaze wandering into the depths of the forest, expecting the trees to give up their secrets. Despite the unnerving thoughts that loomed in the back of our minds, we managed to snatch moments of genuine happiness. We laughed at Alex's jokes, sketched with Noah, helped Mindy set up her outdoor cooking experiments. These were moments of respite, moments that reminded us of the summer we'd envisioned, of the friendships we cherished. But the fear was never truly gone. It lay dormant during the day, buried under the laughter and fun, only to awaken as the sun dipped below the horizon. We finally confided in the counselors about our nightly experiences. They listened, their faces etched with feigned concern that did little to comfort us. They dismissed it as mere wildlife, probably a raccoon or squirrel. They advised us not to let our imaginations run wild, to focus on the daytime activities and the camaraderie of camp. Their indifference stung. It felt like a betrayal, deepening the chasm of isolation that had begun to form around us. We were on our own in this, a realization that added a new edge to our fear. Each night we would return to our cabin with heavy hearts, the door standing ominously in the soft twilight. As we huddled in our bunks, we listened to the whispers grow louder, the scratching more frantic. Our days of respite felt like a cruel illusion, a mere interlude to the nightly horror. The fear was changing us, changing our summer. The contrast between our days and nights was growing sharper. The jovial camp activities, the breathtaking beauty of the forest, and the warm camaraderie all seemed like a facade, masking the chilling reality of our nights. We were living a surreal existence, caught between the bright, bustling days and the fear-infused, whisper-ridden nights at Camp Echo. Our fear was a living thing now, a sinister undercurrent that seeped into every aspect of our time at Camp Echo. The divide between our jovial days and the eerie nights was a stark reminder of the bizarre situation we found ourselves in. We had always been a close-knit group, but the unexplained phenomena seemed to be pulling us apart. Each of us was dealing with the terror in our own way. I documented everything meticulously in my journal, trying to decode the enigma that was our nightly visitor. Alex began to distance himself, his usual energy replaced by a grim determination to protect us all. Noah seemed lost in his thoughts, while Mindy's usual laughter had turned into a forced smile. The lack of sleep and constant dread began taking its toll on us. 
Dark circles under our eyes became a constant feature. Our conversations were filled with unease, and a shared fear lurked behind our forced smiles. Our desperate attempts to cling to normalcy during the day were failing. The whispers and scratching were eroding our spirit, transforming our fun-filled summer into a psychological thriller. Despite the growing tension among us, we sought solace in our shared experiences. We discussed our fears, our theories, and our futile attempts to explain the eerie disturbances. We decided to spend our nights together in the common area of the cabin, hoping our unity would shield us from the fear. We slept in shifts, two of us staying awake while the others caught some rest. Yet even sleep offered no escape. The terror invaded our dreams, turning them into a twisted reflection of our reality. We spent our waking hours observing the cabin and its surroundings, hoping to find something, anything that could provide a clue. We questioned other campers, hoping someone else had experienced similar phenomena, but to no avail. Our ordeal was ours alone, isolating us further. As we searched and speculated, we began to lose track of time. Days and nights merged into a continuous cycle of dread and desperation. Our investigation was a futile exercise, yielding nothing more than increased frustration and fear. One night, after a particularly chilling round of whispers and scratches, Alex proposed a desperate plan. He suggested we venture out into the woods when the sounds were at their loudest. He believed that it was our best shot at confronting the source of our terror. I felt a chill run down my spine. The woods had a sinister aura, especially at night. Yet part of me knew that Alex was right. Our attempts to uncover the truth from the safety of our cabin had proven fruitless. Perhaps it was time to face our fear, to venture into the darkness. That night, as the familiar whispering began and the scratching echoed in our cabin, we braced ourselves. We were about to embark on a terrifying journey into the heart of the Camp Echo mystery. Unaware of what awaited us, we clung to our resolve. Our summer of joy was a distant memory, replaced by a haunting reality we were desperate to decipher. Equipped with flashlights, determination, and a mix of fear and curiosity, we set out into the woods, drawn by the sinister whispers and scratches. The night was alive with sounds, nocturnal creatures scurrying about, the wind rustling the leaves, but our focus was on the eerie melody that had haunted us for nights on end. The forest, which once held the promise of adventure, now echoed with unseen terror. The trees stood tall and menacing, casting long, obscure shadows that danced in the beam of our flashlights. Every rustle, every distant hoot, made our hearts race. We moved cautiously, our footsteps muffled by the thick carpet of leaves. As we delved deeper into the forest, the whispers seemed to grow louder, guiding our path. The scratching became more desperate, resonating with our own mounting anxiety. Suddenly Noah, who was leading the way, stopped. His flashlight had picked up something unusual, a clear path, barely noticeable, winding deeper into the forest. The whispers and scratching seemed to pulsate from this path, like a beacon in the eerie darkness. We exchanged glances, our apprehension mirrored in each other's faces. Alex squeezed my shoulder, his grip tight. We can turn back if you want, he said, but I could see the determination in his eyes. We had come this far. There was no turning back. Not now. We proceeded, the path winding its way through the dense trees, the ominous sounds leading us further into the forest. Suddenly, the path ended in a small clearing. In the middle of the clearing stood an old tree, its gnarled branches reaching towards the sky, standing eerily still despite the gentle breeze. 
The whispers and scratching sounds seemed to emanate from this tree. They were louder here, more coherent, as if we had intruded upon a ghostly conversation. As we approached the tree, a chill wind swept through the clearing. The whispers turned into an anguished wail that echoed through the night, causing us to clamp our hands over our ears. Then, as quickly as it had started, it ceased. The forest fell into an unsettling silence, the kind that amplifies the pounding of your heart and the ragged sound of your breathing. Look, Mindy gasped, pointing at the tree trunk. We followed her gaze, our flashlights illuminating the coarse bark that was marked with long, deep scratches, too precise to be the work of any animal. Our hearts pounded in our chests as the gravity of our discovery sank in. This was the source of our torment. The wailing started again, a mournful cry that sent shivers down our spines. We fled the clearing, propelled by raw fear, our thoughts a chaotic mess. The wails followed us, echoing through the forest, until we burst out onto the familiar grounds of Camp Echo. That night we huddled together in our cabin, too shaken to speak. We had come face to face with the terror of Camp Echo, but our quest for answers had only deepened the mystery. As I finally fell into an uneasy sleep, the image of the tree, with its haunting wails and ominous scratches, remained etched in my mind. Our summer camp had turned into a nightmare, and the night was far from over. In the cold light of dawn, the memory of our midnight excursion felt like a bad dream, but the fear was real and tangible. That morning, we gathered in the cabin, our uneaten breakfast forgotten, the horror of the previous night fresh in our minds. I pulled out my journal, flipping through the pages filled with our experiences. But this time, we weren't looking for a pattern in the strange occurrences. We were searching for a clue, something about the tree and the strange sounds. Mindy suggested we seek out some of the older staff, hoping their knowledge of the camp's history might shed light on our haunting experiences. Reluctantly, we split up to gather information, each taking a different member of the camp staff to talk to. I approached Mr. Jenkins, the grizzled old maintenance man who had been at Camp Echo for as long as anyone could remember. He listened to my tale, his face revealing nothing of his thoughts. When I finished, he was silent for a moment before his rough voice filled the air. Sounds like you've come across the whispering tree, he said, his eyes holding a distant look. He went on to tell me an old camp legend about a man who had gotten lost in the woods many years ago. According to the tale, the man had encountered a wild animal and, in his fear, had climbed a tree to escape. However, he never found his way back and eventually succumbed to the harsh wilderness. It was said that his spirit haunted the tree and the surrounding forest, his whispers and scratches echoing in the night. Chills ran down my spine as the legend eerily paralleled our experiences. The whispers, the scratching, the tree, it all fit. The story seemed far-fetched, yet after what we had experienced, it felt frighteningly plausible. Back at the cabin, we shared our findings. Each conversation had revealed bits and pieces of the same legend. The staff had dismissed it as a spooky tale to scare the younger campers. To them, it was a part of Camp Echo's charm. But to us, it was the horrifying reality we were living. The legend of the whispering tree was like a puzzle piece that fit into our terror-filled summer. The fear that had once been formless now had a name, a story. It didn't make our nights any less terrifying, but it gave us something to hold on to. As the whispers and scratches continued to haunt our nights, we found ourselves trapped in a chilling reality. 
The friendly confines of Camp Echo had transformed into a stage for a ghostly presence, leaving us caught in a tale that was as old as the camp itself. Our friends had turned into fellow victims, the forest had become a haunted playground, and our cabin was the center stage for a ghostly performance. As the line between legend and reality blurred, we were left wondering, would we ever escape the haunting grip of the Whispering Tree? The knowledge of the Whispering Tree legend was both a relief and a curse. It offered a semblance of understanding to our terror, yet it painted our reality with a darker hue. Our nights were no longer just scary. They were a tragic symphony of a lost soul's cries, echoing in the haunting darkness. We tried to confide in some of the other campers, hoping that sharing our fears would lessen their weight. Most laughed it off, a few looked scared, but none seemed to believe us. Our ordeal felt lonelier than ever. Each day we grappled with our sanity, wrestling with the irrational fear that gripped us. Sleep was rare, filled with nightmares that mirrored our nights, and each day we grew more desperate. The forest, once a sanctuary of fun and adventure, now seemed more foreboding than ever. On a particularly hot afternoon, as we sat huddled in our cabin, Alex proposed a new plan. His idea was risky, even dangerous, but in our desperation, it held a strange appeal. He suggested that we try to communicate with the spirit. He reasoned that if the legend were true, then perhaps we could find a way to free the lost soul, to put an end to our nightmare. We hesitated. The thought of willingly interacting with the entity terrified us. Yet, we were running out of options. Our summer was slipping away, replaced by a haunting reality that no one else understood. With fear etching our hearts but determination setting our resolve, we agreed to Alex's plan. We decided to return to the tree, armed with the legend, and confront our ghostly tormentor. That night, as darkness claimed Camp Echo, we set out once again. We held on to each other, our flashlights casting long shadows as we followed the path that led to the whispering tree. As we reached the clearing, the whispers and scratches grew louder, the tree standing as an ominous beacon in the eerie silence. Stealing ourselves, we stood before the tree, the whispers turning into mournful cries. Alex stepped forward, his voice shaking as he spoke to the unseen entity. We know your story, he began. We want to help you find peace. Tell us what you need. Please, let's end this. His words hung in the air, a plea echoing in the silence of the night. We waited, holding our breath, as an uncanny calm settled around us. But our answer wasn't words or understanding. Instead, the cries grew louder, more frantic, the scratching echoing our rising fear. As we fled the clearing, our plan in ruins, the whispers seemed to follow us, filling the night with their anguished cries. Our hopes of ending the terror seemed futile, our desperation growing as the haunting melody of the whispering tree became a grim serenade to our failure. Back in the safety of our cabin, we pondered our dwindling options. The legend had offered us a name, but it didn't have a solution. The mystery was far from over. Our nightmare at Camp Echo continued, the haunting whispers and scratches a stark reminder of the terror that had claimed our summer. In the aftermath of our failed attempt to communicate with the entity, we found ourselves at a loss. The haunting melody of the whispering tree continued, its spectral performance unabated. Each day, our determination was slipping, replaced by a growing sense of despair. Then, one sunny afternoon, Noah brought a piece of news that piqued our interest. In his quest for answers, he had stumbled upon a local historian, Mrs. Miller. 
She had shared with him an old tale that added another layer to the legend of the Whispering Tree. According to her story, the lost man wasn't alone in the woods. He had been part of a group of settlers, pioneers who had made their home in a cabin near where our camp was located. However, the cabin was abandoned after the man's mysterious disappearance and presumed death. The tale breathed new life into our quest. We reasoned that the cabin could be the missing piece of our puzzle, the key to unraveling the mystery that had consumed our summer. With renewed vigor, we planned a new expedition. Guided by the vague details from Mrs. Miller's tale, we would search for the settler's cabin. If the legend was real, perhaps something in the cabin would give us the clue we needed. We set out the next morning, armed with maps and provisions. The forest that once brought us joy now seemed to mock our fears. Yet we pressed on, driven by our desperate hope for answers. We trekked through dense undergrowth, followed hidden trails, and explored unfamiliar terrain. The sun moved across the sky, casting changing shadows on our expedition. Hours later, just as we were about to give up, we found it, a dilapidated structure, hidden deep within the forest, nearly consumed by the wilderness. The sight of the cabin stirred a mix of emotions in us. It was eerie and ominous, yet it held a promise of answers. As we cautiously approached it, we could feel the weight of its history, its forgotten stories resonating with our fears. The cabin was decrepit, its wooden walls bearing the scars of time. Moss and vines covered its exterior, while the interior was filled with dust and decay. Yet, amidst the wreckage, we found fragments of a bygone era, old furniture, faded photographs, a dusty journal. We spent hours sifting through the remnants of past lives. It was a surreal experience, touching relics of a time that felt both distant and intimately connected to our terror. However, nothing seemed to provide a clear link to our spectral tormentor. As the day faded into evening, we left the cabin, our hearts heavy with disappointment. We returned to the camp, the cabin's silent testimony doing nothing to ease our fears. That night, as the familiar whispers and scratches filled our cabin, we couldn't shake off the feeling of despair. The cabin in the woods had offered a glimmer of hope, but it had faded as quickly as it had come. The mystery of the whispering tree was as impenetrable as ever, our quest for answers shrouded in the shadows of the unknown. After our expedition to the abandoned cabin, we returned to camp heavy-hearted. The cabin had offered no tangible solutions, no clear path forward. Our nights were filled with the haunting melodies of the whispering tree, a chilling lullaby to our unending nightmare. Yet, amongst the remnants of the cabin, we had brought back one item, an old weather-beaten journal. The pages were brittle and yellowed with age. The words almost faded, yet it held a compelling allure. Maybe, just maybe, it could offer us some insight. Over the next few days, we pored over the journal, straining to decipher the old-fashioned handwriting. It was a tedious task, but it was the last thread of hope we clung to. The journal belonged to a woman named Martha, a member of the Lost Settler Group. It was filled with the mundane details of their life, their struggles, and aspirations. It was a window into a past life, the forgotten story of the forest that was now our haunted playground. As we delved deeper into the journal, a particular entry caught our attention. Martha wrote about her husband, the man who had disappeared. His name was George. He was described as a man of strength and kindness, his loss deeply felt by all. As we read her heartfelt words, our spectral tormentor became more human. 
but it was the final entries that held us captive. Martha wrote about strange occurrences, similar to our own experiences, starting after George's disappearance. Whispers in the wind, unexplained scratches on their cabin door, and an overwhelming feeling of dread. It seemed the whispering tree's haunting began much earlier than we had thought. One entry stood out. It described a night when George's voice seemed to come from the woods, leading her to the tree we had come to fear. She wrote of seeing a figure, George's figure, disappearing into the woods. She tried to follow, but was lost in the darkness. The next morning she found herself near the tree, a deep sense of sorrow enveloping her. The entry ended with a strange note. Martha wrote of her belief that George was trying to communicate with her, that he was lost and trying to find his way back. She believed the tree was a beacon, a link between their world and his. But what he wanted, or how to help him, was a mystery that remained unsolved as the entries abruptly stopped. Reading Martha's entries was a chilling experience. The parallels with our own encounters were uncanny. The whispering tree was not just a nameless horror. It was George, lost and calling for help through the veil of death. Armed with this new insight, we were left with a new challenge, how to reach out to George, how to help him find peace. But time was running out. Our summer at Camp Echo was coming to an end, and the mystery of the whispering tree, now tinged with an undertone of tragic love, was far from over. The revelation of the journal filled us with a renewed sense of purpose. The unknown entity that had haunted our nights was George, a man lost in time, his whispers a plea from the other side. Our terror turned into empathy, our resolve strengthened. Time was against us. We had to make a final attempt to free George from his eternal torment before summer's end. We needed a plan. We spent hours discussing our options. Eventually, we agreed on a risky yet seemingly plausible plan. We decided to recreate the night when George disappeared as closely as we could, in hopes it might create a connection strong enough to help him move on. We knew that George had climbed the tree out of fear of a wild animal. We collected our courage and made a plan to enact the scenario near the whispering tree with one of us playing George. Alex volunteered, his bravery giving us hope. The evening arrived too soon. As the sun set, we moved towards the whispering tree, a mix of fear and determination guiding our steps. The whispers seemed more intense, the scratches more desperate, heightening our nerves. With the darkness as our shroud, we enacted our play. Alex climbed the tree, his voice shaking as he called out George's name, his pleas for help echoing in the forest. George, he called out. We know you're lost. We want to help you find peace. You're not alone anymore. His words, filled with desperate hope, hung in the air. The forest seemed to hold its breath with us, our hearts beating in rhythm with the eerie silence. We waited, every second stretching into an eternity. Then without warning, a gust of wind swept through the clearing. The whispers grew louder, frantic, the scratches more desperate. In the eerie glow of our flashlights, we saw it, an ethereal figure, George's figure, just as Martha had described, near the tree. Our hearts pounded as the figure looked at us, its form flickering in the wind. Alex called out again, his voice filled with conviction. George, it's time to go home. The figure seemed to nod, a sad, mournful sound filling the air. Then it turned and walked into the woods, disappearing into the darkness. As silence settled over the clearing, we stood stunned, our minds racing to process what we had just witnessed. Had we succeeded? Had George found peace? Back in the cabin, a strange calm replaced the usual dread. 
That night, for the first time in weeks, the forest was quiet. The whispers and scratches were gone, replaced by the peaceful sounds of nature. Exhausted but hopeful, we fell into a deep, dreamless sleep. The mystery of the whispering tree seemed to have finally found its resolution. Or had it? We fell asleep, not knowing what the morning would bring, but hopeful that we had turned the page on our haunting summer at Camp Echo. The morning came with an unusual calmness, the rays of the sun filtering through the cabin windows, casting long shadows on our weary faces. We stirred from our sleep, the quietness of the night still lingering in our minds. For the first time in weeks, we had slept peacefully, undisturbed by the eerie whispers or the dreadful scratches. We ventured out of the cabin, drawn to the whispering tree. Its tall figure stood solemn against the morning sky, but its menacing aura seemed to have faded. It was just a tree again, its haunting whispers silent, its bark free of new scratches. The rest of the day was surreal. We participated in the camp activities, mingled with the other campers, shared meals, and laughed. It felt like a normal day at summer camp, a stark contrast to the haunting weeks we had endured. But as the day slipped into evening, an uneasy feeling crept in. We couldn't shake off the feeling that something was amiss, that our ordeal was not over. As darkness fell, we huddled in our cabin, bracing for the familiar terror. Yet the night was silent. The tree stood quiet, its whispers a thing of the past. It felt like we had finally turned a corner, that our nightmare was over. We dared to hope that we had helped George find peace, that we had freed ourselves from the spectral torment. As the night wore on, we found ourselves drifting into sleep, the silence lulling us into a sense of security. But just as sleep was about to claim us, we heard it, a faint whisper, a soft scratch against our cabin door. Our hearts pounded in our chests, our hopes shattered by the chilling reality. The whispers, the scratches, they were back. Fear gripped us, our peace shattered, the specter of the whispering tree looming large again. The morning found us exhausted and confused. We left Camp Echo that day, our summer of adventure ending with an unsettling mystery. We had thought we had found the answer, that we had helped George, but the haunting whispers and scratches suggested otherwise. As we said our goodbyes, the tree stood tall against the sky, a silent witness to our ordeal. Its whispers, now a chilling memory, served as a reminder of the summer we would never forget. We left with more questions than answers. Had we really encountered George, or was it something else? And if it was George, why hadn't our attempt to help him worked? The mystery remained, a chilling testament to our haunting summer at Camp Echo. We never returned to the camp, but the memories stayed with us. The whispers, the scratches, the figure disappearing into the woods. They became parts of our shared past. Chilling stories we would recount in hushed tones. And so, our story ended, not with a resolution, but with a lingering mystery. The tale of the whispering tree became our legacy, a haunting reminder of the summer when our lives intertwined with a spectral presence, leaving us forever marked by our encounter with the unknown.